We've all been there. We have generated a marketing report from a MarTech tool that makes us look really good off of that latest Instagram or LinkedIn post. But after a while, the novelty of those kind of reportings has died a little bit. But as marketing data has evolved and the buyer habits have changed over the last few years, or really over the last 10 years, and the education of what data we should be going after, that has also changed, especially when it comes to the C-suite. So that's our main topic for today is creating a marketing report that the C-suite will gather valuable intel from so they can make business-driven decisions. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumleaf, and we talk about on this show B2B marketing, the creator economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And as mentioned during the intro, on today's show, we're going to be talking about making that marketing data more meaningful for the C-suite. We're also going to be talking with Danny Goff of Driver Reach, who's going to be breaking down some recruiting and retention strategies for the trucking industry. Then we're also going to be talking with Anthony Vitello of PCS Software, and he's going to be shedding some light on how to use AI in order to process all of the data that shippers, brokers, and carriers all have to manage throughout a TMS in order to make more business-driven decisions. So let's go ahead and dive into our first topic because it's one that I'm really passionate about. It's one that I've actually been guilty of, of doing in the past, is generating a marketing report and thinking that was the end of what I needed to do. I created content, I develop the report, I send it off to the C-suite, and that's the end of what I have to do as far as my mar- as far as my marketing skills and, and my marketing uh, job set that I or my job responsibilities of what I'm providing to the C-suite. But there's a new study from a behavioral targeting platform called Bango that shows us essentially that digital marketing metrics is failing to impress the boardroom. The company polled more than 200 CEOs and of that group, said that they thought that digital marketing metrics were meaningless if they aren't directly associated with sales. Now, two big reasons of why this is happening is that executive teams don't know the true metrics of the marketing data that they should be following in today's world. And then another big reason is marketers who've been conditioned and taught by MarTech companies on what they should value, which is conveniently usually what the tech solution solves for. So we have to sort of reorganize our our thought process around just marketing in general and the ultimate value driven that we're or the value driven stats that we're going to derive from the efforts that we're putting out into the world and then the reports that generate that that show off what we're actually doing because i think that there's still a lot of confusion around so in this show we're going to break down just some more clarity around what we should be doing and the stats that will prove the value of that from a business case point. So out of that company of polling or Bango polling more than 200 CEOs, let's go to our next graphic from that study because it's it's uh, it's just going to get worse from here. Let's just put it that way. So 65% of CEOs are not interested in likes. 75% aren't interested in retweets and 65, 66% aren't interested in impressions. Now, a lot of these different stats are, are essentially a, you know, the big, the big takeaway is that you just shouldn't include these in any of your reports. You shouldn't really care 
about how many likes that something gets, that that how many retweets something gets. You your executive team won't care, so you shouldn't care. What you need to do in your marketing mix is should be driving sales qualified opportunities. That now it, each you, each business will define a sales qualified opportunity a little bit differently, but the ethos around that is is that you want people coming to your website and you want them converting, and everything else is just should add to the mix of driving that ultimate business case result. So the rest of those stats, like likes and retweets, those are largely meaningless unless users are converting on those key impact pages, like requesting a quote or booking a demo and and other aspects, those key business decisions that are happening on your website. And there's really only one or two cases of that of that happening on your site. Is somebody making a purchase or is, is signaling that they want to make a purchase? Now, the next graphic we're going to show you from this study is a little bit trickier because to me, this is where patience and deep understanding of your customer comes into play. Anytime you start a new marketing mix, and when I say marketing mix, I mean different campaigns. If you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to start publishing to this new social media account, if you're going to revive a current social media account, that's considered your marketing mix that is designed with an effort to educate your customers so that ultimately when they're ready to make a buying decision, that they're coming to you and they're making that decision. So 77% of CEOs expect that for marketing to have a measurable impact on their business's bottom line. Now, it, it won't resonate with your audience anytime you start a new marketing mix. It's not going to resonate with your audience unless you have a deep understanding of them, which is why interviews with your customers are so very important. A few shows back, we had Caitlin Burgoyne on the show, and she talked about creating these customer clarity call sheets, which is essentially a method for interviewing your customer in order to get to the meat and potatoes of, of what you of what those trigger points are before somebody makes a decision to to make to to buy something from you. And this could be the the book a demo, the request a quote, um, even purchasing a product on your site if you have that ability on your site to do so. All of these things are driving purchasing decisions, but you need to understand the customer at a deeper level in order to create those campaigns, create that messaging that's really going to resonate with them. Now, this next graphic is this one kind of ties closely in with the next image I'm going to show. So assuming we have buy-in from the executive team that we're going to revamp things in the way that we handle our marketing mix by starting with the customer interviews, because this will allow us to clearly define our what's called a firmographic ICP, an ideal customer profile. Then we're going to redefine what our sales strategies are because CEOs top top ex- objectives for marketers is to get new customers, to increase profits, and to have sales-led or sales-lead generation. All of those things are driving business decisions and can be done in a digital environment, but we won't know how to do any of that without the customer interviews on a regular basis. Think monthly, think quarterly, talking to, if you can, talk to customers that have just started the onboarding cycle or talk to customers who got close and then ultimately decided to go with another company. That's where you can get some real valuable insight and real valuable data versus, and that's what would 
drive your sales qualified opportunities versus something that's just a sales qualified lead, which usually a sales qualified lead is somebody who is downloading an ebook, a white paper, a case study from your website that doesn't necessarily signal that they're ready to buy. That's more of an indication that they're just looking for information. So those, what usually will happen is that a, a marketing team will put together a great case study and then they'll get a bunch of people to download it. They'll maybe put some advertising dollars behind it. And then they get all these leads and it looks fantastic on paper. And then they take these leads and they hand it off to the sales team. And what happens is the sales team starts calling on them immediately after someone downloads that, that white paper and they're not ready to buy yet. So those leads have a very historically low close rate. And so that's why the sales team and marketing team sort of have historically been at odds with each other is because marketing is thinking that they're doing the right Right things and they're creating the right content and that they're getting these leads through the door. It's just the sales team that can't close the deals. Well, that's because they're not ready to buy yet. So as a marketer, it's our job to better understand where these customers are at in the buying cycle so that we're creating sales qualified opportunities. And then everything else that happens before that, the social media marketing, the distribution, the content that we create, that's all pushing ultimately the educational value of what what we're providing, the service we're providing, the product we're providing, the different features within that, uh, all of those different things. And ultimately, we're educating the customer or we're educating the, the buyer before they become a customer or before they become a sales qualified opportunity. And so don't include, if you want to save yourself a lot of grief as a marketer, don't include you know, the, the, the people who downloaded a, you know, a bunch of white papers. Don't include that in the CEO report because those leads are probably not going to close. You need to only be including your sales qualified opportunities because that's where the real value and the real insight is going to shine. But I will say that those case studies and white papers and things like that are still very valuable. They come into play a little bit later on. Um, so we'll dive into that a little bit later on to, to measure those types of metrics. But it really should be about driving those reporting that, that talks about the sales qualified opportunities, not leads. So the next graphic is where CEOs need some further education because 59% of CEOs believe that SEO is good at building relationships, but not at generating sales. That's because sales don't come from awareness channels. And awareness channels are where your buyers go to consume content. They're not ready to buy. So think LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, podcast, events, whether it's virtual or physical events, um, or maybe a, a hybrid of both. There's also communities, word of mouth. Those are all awareness channels. And what we want to do as a marketer is we want to build and start creating demand in the awareness channels, because then the intent channels are where the measurement of, of success really comes into play. Because in the intent channels where your buyers go to make a buying decision, they go to what you're selling. So think uh, organic and paid SEO. Um, think review sites like G2, Captera, um, other software advice platforms. Those are the buying intent channels. So 2021 marketing is about creating demand and awareness channels and then capturing demand in the intent channels. So the next one, so that's a little bit of an education. I think it's also a big sort of switch up in our mindset of how we're going to adjust our marketing mix and how we're going to ultimately adjust our marketing reporting. And then it, it's going to evolve from there based off of the insights that we get from those two things. 
So the next one is where a lot of us have messed up, including myself. 77% of CEOs don't see digital ads as a key source of new customers or sales. And that's because they, or perhaps you, are are putting a value behind a channel that is for awareness, not intent. Just talked about how awareness channels are LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, social media platforms. Those are for awareness about your company and the content and your products and educating the customer or educating the buyer. And then on the intent-driven channels is where you want to really measure the success of your conversions. So we need to treat advertising as as a way to guarantee distribution of our content, not to generate leads. And going into our next graphic, this is really going to sort of break this down a little bit more because during your customer interviews, you'll find out where your audience is hanging out online. And that's where you'll need to advertise the content you create after those interviews are completed. If you're checking out this graphic that we're showing on the screen, it says that the majority of CEOs, really over half of the ones that were polled, essentially said that they're going to, they would get rid of all social media advertising because they don't see the value in spending on those platforms. And nine times out of 10, you're looking at advertising as a magic bullet. And that's not the case. I know because I've wasted a lot of money on advertising in the past thinking that I did all of the right things. I, I had customer interviews. I had you know, a, a video that I had created and I put some advertising money behind it and that's it. It's just going to work. It's going to convert. I already know my audience, right? I did everything I was supposed to do as a marketer and it doesn't work that way because advertising is its own beast. It is not a magic bullet. For uh, uh, for every advertising campaign, you should have around 24 variations of that one ad. So think creative, the image that you're using in your advertising. Is it a video? Is it an image carousel? Is it What's the first line of copy? What, what's the, the CTA of once somebody gets to the landing page? What's the CTA on the advertisement itself? You should have 24 variations of that one ad at least, and then test all of those different variables, all of those different variations within that ad set. And then once you know which one is performing the best, then that's the ad that you run for uh, you know maybe two to three months and then ad fatigue. Once ad fatigue starts to set in, then you're going to do that whole process all over again. The reason I know this is because I said I wasted a lot of money in advertising and it forced me to dive deep into why it didn't work for me. And so these were a lot of the same strategies that I have found that I have implemented. And it's so far, it's been doing great. And so just keep that in mind that this is an ongoing thing that you have to keep going and you have to prioritize your creative. So hiring a good graphic designer is probably first and foremost of what you need to do. And then also hiring a good copy editor that can take care of the different copy variations of everything you're going to be testing in your product, in your feature, in your in the service that you're trying to sell in order to attract those buyers in those awareness channels. So using advertising as a way to guarantee distribution of the content that you're creating and the content that you're creating based off of customer interviews. Remember, it's not a magic bullet. So final takeaway, because this graphic is key to the longevity, um, whether you're an in-house marketer or you're working on contract work, the marketing mix you're working on to drive those SQL sales qualified opportunities should look something like this because 77% of CEOs would increase marketing budgets if their activities could be more directly targeted towards those who buy. And just sort of to wrap this all up into what we've been discussing this entire time is yes, you 
should have your entire marketing mix be driven based off of customer interviews. So after those customer interviews, you want to monitor the metrics on your key pages. And your key pages are the request a quote, it's a book a demo, it's con- you know some kind of you know get in contact with me because I want to buy your product. That those are your key landing pages on your site. So you want to make sure that A, people have actually viewed that that key page. And that you want to make sure that, and these are all metrics that you can add. You know, you, There are a lot of marketing tools out there, a lot of analytics tools out there. Google Analytics is free and it can do a lot of these things that I'm, a, I'm about to discuss. But there's also other tools out there that make it a little bit easier too. Arebi is one of them. That's one that I personally use and love because it makes it a little bit easier to set up some of these goals. But that's a paid solution. Google Analytics does a lot of the same things and they do it for free. But these are the metrics that you want to be on the, on the lookout for with any of the content that you create. You want to make sure that people are actually viewing the page. And then you want to make sure that they're doing at least a 50% scroll depth on the page. That means that they arrived on the page and they started scrolling and they at least scrolled and looked at ha- at least half of the page. Now you can increase that to 75 or even 90% of the page in order to make sure that your message is resonating. And if they're not resonating, then you can adjust that copy and you can adjust that messaging to better target your your target audience. But you only get that insight if you have those customer interviews. So a couple more metrics that you want to keep, keep in mind is video plays on those key landing pages. If you have videos on those page, uh, CTA button conversions uh, with A-B testing, you'd be surprised at just a little switch of the color of the CTA button, how much that drives more conversions. We've talked before about different CMS platforms out here, but there, there are tools that make A-B testing very, very easy where you can change the the color of the button, the text of the button, and then you can test that on your audience where 50% of the audience sees maybe the color red on a book a demo button and then 50% see the color blue on a book a demo button. So those two options, you can test and see which one converts better and you go with the one that converts better. So optimizing your landing pages and then also tracking the demo requests, requests and sales meetings booked. That is the ultimate goal for any marketer is that you are getting those high qualified leads because you've done your research, you've done your your, your messaging research, you know how the customer is talking when they're looking to have that problem solved. And then you're adding that to your marketing mix. And then you're making it super easy and clear and concise on the landing pages that you want the customer to arrive to. And once they convert, you're handing those sales qualified opportunities, you're handing those off to the sales department. So hopefully they will close because then that's where you start to really look at the magic of of how your how your content is performing and how it's performing on a trending basis and how it's performing on a paid versus organic basis. I usually monitor these about once a quarter and I'll look at paid versus organic and I'll look at those key stats into how to just sort of better understand how people are interacting with the landing pages that I I am prioritizing in my marketing mix and using all of these different social media platforms to drive awareness to those pages, to drive awareness to products, to features, to specific features within the product, specific features within my services. That's how I use it. That's how my clients use it. And that's how other businesses I've seen success with that have that different marketing mix. They're they're really pushing everyone to the sales qualified opportunities and then letting their sales team take over from there. So it's really, it's, 
In today's marketing world, it's really about the marketers having a deep understanding of the customer and then knowing what's driving business results because that's what matters in today's marketing world. And if you're not keeping up and if you're not evolving with your skill set, then you're just going to continue to create reports that only show likes and retweets instead of showing something that's deeply impactful and, and actually affects the bottom line of the business. Now that I know that was a lot that I just, you know, just sort of laid on to you, but it's a lot of really important information of how we should evolve as marketers. And speaking of evolving, as far as marketing is concerned, because there has been a lot of a lot of evolution in the world of driver recruiting, driver retention. And one of those companies that I've been watching online for quite some time is uh, Driver Reach. And we're going to go ahead and bring in Danny Goff. He's the senior account executive for Driver Reach. And uh, Danny, I have to say, I first started following your work when I, I would really say it's, it's more of your content syndication of the, of the you know, the TikTok videos that you find online, which we'll get into in just a little bit because we definitely have a couple of fun ones to share with y'all. But you guys also have a show on Freightways called Taking the Higher Road. What's the history behind why you guys started uh, with that show and with sort of video-based content? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on here. So mm -hmm. our CEO, Jeremy Raymer, uh, has been in the industry 20 years now, uh, innovative, passionate about the industry. He just wants to get the message out there. We want to help people. Uh, it's a tough industry. There's barriers every which way you go. Um, so really, video content was kind of a no-brainer. I think our first video ever was a spoof um, that was actually pretty relevant on the challenges that recruiters face today. Um, so like my first day in the industry about three years ago, I had a nice conversation with someone down in Georgia. They were very interested in what I do. And at the end of the call, they said, can you fax me that information? <laughs> and I was just like, welcome to trucking. Here we are. <laughs> Oh, the fax machine. I haven't used yeah. a fax machine since I actually worked in a trucking office. So that, that I guess that brings back fond memories. But, uh, you know, looking at your background a little bit, we see some rings back there, some yeah. some championship um, rings, it looks like. And, and that brings me to my next question, because you actually have a sports background. Can you give us a little bit of insight into your, your role oh. in football <laughs> and then making that transition to trucking? Yeah, thank you. Uh, football on the field with the guys. That's my happy place. Um, passionate about it, love being with my brothers and uh, developing young men, but uh, played in high school, played in college due to some uh, self-imposed adversity after college. A mentor and a coach of mine brought me in and said, hey, we want you to come help coach. And uh, 10 years later, here I am. In the last two years, Bishop Chittard High School's won two state championships. So um, absolutely love it. And uh, maybe one day we'll do that full time down the road when I retire. Awesome. And so I'm assuming th those are the two state championship rings that we see in the background there. Yeah, that and my uh, daughter's little Mickey Mouse. Oh, cool. nice. Well, we're, th this is the Disney house over here too. So football at Disney is is my yeah. bread and butter. So I, I I dig it. So how did you transition from, from that role into the trucking industry? Yeah, so I actually ran my own business for about eight years. Uh, me and a buddy started a business after college. We actually did uh, wall art manufacturing, super random had a licensing agreement with a big brand, uh, grew that business. It was basically myself, my partner, two employees, our dogs. We printed, we fulfilled, we shipped stuff out, worked with some of the largest retailers in the world. Um, business got a little rough about four years ago and was looking for a new opportunity, very involved in the uh, startup community here in Indianapolis. I heard about driver reach, applied, started out as a sales development rep, 
And then uh, here I am. I think I'm trapped in the industry now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, once you kind of get into trucking, you, there, there's really no leaving. And if you do try to leave, it'll try to pull you back in at some point or another. I feel like that's what happens with the majority of people anyways. Now, I, I speaking of driver reach, now I've heard some people say that we don't have a driver shortage problem. We have mm -hmm. a driver retention problem. How mm -hmm. true is a statement like that? I think it's fair to say. Um, retention really is the, the new recruiting. It's equally as important to bring them on and then also keep them on. So there's definitely an issue. I mean, I've talked to well over 2000 recruiting managers since I've been at driver reach 99.9% .9 of them believe there's a driver shortage. There's one thing for certain, um, there is a shortage of qualified drivers. So I think as of last year, there were 60,000 unfilled positions. You've got barriers, you've got, um, Things that are good for the industry, like the clearinghouse, but that alone within the last year took out, uh, took 60,000 drivers off the road. Um, so there are definitely challenges. Um, it's not easy to be a driver. There are, I mean, you think about what they have to go through on a daily basis. Just it's not a safe job. Um, you're away from home and it's just, it's, it's not easy right now. That's for sure. Now, when you're talking to the the, the driver recruiters, uh, what are some of the common issues that they're that they're facing themselves? Is is it just that they have so much to manage and so much to, or is their job expect expectations too high? Is is that maybe mm -hmm. why they think it's you know it's a shortage problem and not necessarily a manager problem? Yeah, I think that's fair, and it starts with kind of the leadership. It starts with the training that they have and really having a system. So. Mm -hmm. When I look back at the, the business that I ran, one of the reasons I'm really passionate about driver reach is I failed to invest in my business. I failed to invest in technology. And that's what driver reach provides. It provides a system. It provides uh, essentially a CRM for driver recruiting. Uh, but you have to have a process. You have to have a system. I mean, you probably know as well as anybody. I mean, what what gets measured gets managed. And a lot of these companies literally are using fax machines, are using Excel spreadsheets, are not remarketing the drivers. So you have to have the tools, you have to have the data first, and then you can make improvements. I love that because I actually attended a, a TCA event earlier in the week and, and they mentioned a key aspect to driver retention is managing the relationship with the driver. So the first birthday with the company, you know, any mm -hmm. anniversaries that they have, their first safety check, things like that and marketing or, or not marketing, I have marketing on the brain right now, but marking those notes in the system for each individual driver and then celebrating those achievements and, and you know, learning experiences. That's all, that, that should all be managed within your driver retention strategy. And driver reach actually helps out with that, correct? Yep, you can set follow-up tasks, pre-scheduled emails, save birth dates, any custom fields. Um, but it's really important that you get buy-in throughout the entire organization. So it's one thing to bring a good driver on, and then you have to think about what happens after that point. All the different touch points um, between your driver manager, safety, payroll, that's all got to be a really positive experience for those drivers. And everybody has to be bought in uh, in the entire organization.
Are there any parts of the, the the platform? Because I imagine that this is a platform that you, you you sell to a company, and then everybody within the company is encouraged to use it in order to manage those dates. But what happens when one of those dates pops up? Is it on the responsibility of the driver manage the driver manager to to keep tabs, or is it up to the responsibility of you know maybe defining your processes first and then assigning yeah. whoever is in charge of that particular process in order to make that relationship successful? That was a word salad that I just gave you, but hopefully it made sense. 100%. Define the process first. That's what we're hyper-focused on at Driver Reach. We get really deep into your process. Everything from lead generation to getting that driver into a truck, all of that needs to be tracked and all of that needs to be interconnected. So that's a big part of what we provide. Each uh, client of ours has a dedicated client success manager. Everyone in our organization has been in trucking. They've helped hired thousands of qualified drivers. Um, so it's just, it's really important that we thoroughly understand your, your process and that we provide the training and the coaching uh, and teach you the best practices and teach you the best ways to use the tools that we provide. And, and how do you handle, I guess, I guess the, the people who have a little bit more of an outdated process, the fax machines mm -hmm. uh, of the world? Are you educating the, those different carriers and those fleet owners on, on how to make those, those little upgrades that will really help out with the business? That's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in our marketing and everything we put out there, we try to educate. We try to get um, as much good quality information about what's going on in the industry. Um, but it's not easy. I mean, you take that fax machine example, my first day in the industry, like the, there really are companies out there that have never had to do anything, have never had issues. And this driver shortage now is hitting them and, and change is just, it's very difficult. But if you want to change your, if you want to change your results, you've got to change your approach. So we're, we're doing the best to educate. We're doing the best to consult, to coach, to provide the information really to improve their businesses. I mean, I guess, you know, modern problems require modern solutions. And so if you want to keep up with the Joneses, you have to make those incremental changes, even if it is difficult, because that really is the, the, the change is the only constant. Now, backing it up that. just a little bit, you know, driver reach also helps with the recruiting efforts as well. Can you give us sort of an eagle eye view of how your company helps out in the recruiting process? Yep. So first and foremost, we're a tech company. We're a SaaS business model, but we offer services to assist our clients as needed. Um, so everything from lead generation to full service recruiting, we've got a tremendous team headed up by Wendy Bartz and May Carter. Uh, between our entire team, there's probably 100 years of experience. So we can um, do everything from coaching to creating the ads, working with you on your branding, um, ultimately to get more qualified candidates into your pipeline and then teach you the best ways to recruit those drivers. And speaking of recruiting, you guys also have, I, I, I watched your, your demo video that you actually have up on YouTube and you have an email marketing system within yeah. the platform, which I love. It would have made my job back in the day so much easier. Can you give us a little overview of how that process is, is managed within the system? Are you guys sending these emails or are the clients sending their own emails and, and creating them mm -hmm. on their own? Or is, can it be a little bit of a hybrid model? Yeah, great question. So we first authenticate the domain. So that would enable you to include your you know, company branding, your email signature, and then we teach and we train them on the messaging. Um, so these can be pre-scheduled messages to new leads that have come into your pipeline where you can kind of, to an extent, set it and forget it. So I believe, are you a HubSpotter? Is that right? Yeah, HubSpot, uh, Google, basically whatever will get the job done, to be honest. Yeah, so very similar to the sequencing within HubSpot, if you're familiar with that. 
but the idea is to have more touch points, to be able to um, keep your company top of mind through remarketing efforts. And it can also be used as a retention tool. So if you want to, you know, 30 days in, maybe benefit enrollment for an existing driver. If you want to schedule that message out, you can already have that ready to go. Or if you want to get a if you want to get a survey out to your existing drivers and get their feedback or thank them for coming on board. So these are all pre-scheduled, but personalized messages that go out and the keyword personalized. Hmm. Yeah. Love that. Just making it easier. And it sounds like you really have to dive into your processes before you set any of this stuff up and have that sort of ironclad process put in place of, of, of all those little different touch points with the drivers. Now using tools for recruiting and relationship management are great, but what are some processes that fleets are still missing in order to really succeed and this sort of major driver shortage pain point? Mm -hmm. I would say it starts with talent. So talent and training within your organization. So people and then product, you can have the best product in the world, but if you don't have the right people and if you don't have the coaching and training on how to use that product, it really doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. So implementing things like referral programs are very helpful, but oftentimes what I see is that they're not executing on these. They might send a message one time through an email, which has a 15 to 25% open rate for drivers today. Hey, we're, you know, we've got a referral bonus right now. That driver may never even see that. So hmm. you have to stay on top of everything and then you have to execute. Um, so it really starts with the right talent and then the right training. Smart. I mean, it, it, the tools are right there, but ultimately it falls on the business owner to have those processes in place. Now, I, I know a, a lot of companies uh, use advertising, especially in driver recruiting efforts, especially with third-party for- firms like yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're advertising all the same open jobs, how can a carrier or a fleet owner stand out from the rest as far as their their advertising campaigns are concerned? Mm-hmm. Well, drivers really most importantly care about a couple of things, home time and pay. So those should stand out on those advertisements, first of all. And then I think you you said it earlier, make it easy. And it's like a a quote by, uh, I believe it's David Cancel from uh, the CEO of Drift that I read right when I got into the industry. And it's kind of a no brainer. Whoever makes it easiest to buy wins, whoever makes it easiest to apply wins. So using short forms, uh, auto filling forms, things like that. And then having pre-scheduled automated messages that go out. So to Randall Riley's stat, when you have a hot lead, when a driver is interested in your business, you want to be able to engage and communicate with that candidate within a five-minute window. And so that's where pre-scheduled text messages, pre-scheduled emails can be really helpful um, because the reality is is that these drivers are applying for at least five carriers at one time. So if you're the first to communicate, then you've got a much higher probability of getting them hired. How does it, speaking from a driver manager perspective, how does a driver manager, I guess, outside of being glued to their phone 24-7, how can they manage that recruiting effort with these mm-hmm. potential drivers that, as you say, they're, they're, they're applying to several different companies all at once? And then it, it's is it almost a game of who responds the fastest or is it a, a game of who is the most uh, meaningful interaction? Yeah, great point. I think really you need to make every touch point a positive one. So the data that we see from our system and our customers, on average, it's taking 12 to 15 touches to get a good driver hired. So each text message, each voicemail, um, calls, emails, you know, make each one of those a positive one, make that personalized. 
make yourself stand out. And they're still going to do research. So you need to have those social media pages up to date mm. and you need to be authentic in your messaging and authentic in your marketing where they can really see more about your business, your culture, your equipment. Um, just be authentic is what I would say. Now, you you guys, obviously, with Driver Reach, you're not the only ones out here, you know, providing the, the same service. I do. Your, your tool looks fantastic. And I don't know that anybody else has has a similar functionality like that. But how are you guys different from some of the other recruiting platforms out there or recruiting providers? Mm -hmm. Great question. So I would really um, encourage, you know, those that are using other providers to question, to challenge how their data is being used. Um, so that's something we we take a lot of pride in and fundamentally have a different approach than others in the industry um, when it comes to data and privacy. So um, the, the, the data that comes in our system, that belongs to our customers. That's not going to be remarketed to those, um, you know, that, that data, that information is not going to be sold, shared with third parties or your competitors. That is your data. So that's a oh, big wow. difference. Also being more modern, being more user-friendly. I know you're big on UX. Um, same with the websites that you build, just making it easy. So automating as much as we can um, on the front end, as well as simplify it on the back end for those uh, recruiters and safety directors. Because then if you, it's, so it sounds like, you know, developing your processes ahead of time, ironing those out, and then automating as much as you can. So then that way, when you have those human touch points, you know, maybe the staff isn't, you know, completely exhausted by that point, 100%. and that they can actually perform at an optimal level. It, it sounds like it's it's a really sort of redefining process for a lot of these companies out here. So it's, it's really cool to see. I, I was really impressed with, with the demo video. Now, Thank as you. far as like promotion for, mm -hmm. you know, drive and you know sort of how you guys get your messaging out there you, you guys do something a little bit different besides you know the, the, the freight waves take the higher road show which is fantastic too but for you personally video is a big way of how you get your message out there and sharing funny inspiring tiktoks and i think you share you know a funny one every friday yes. is really one of them but let's take a look we're actually going to take a look Dancing at one of them right now that <laughs> guy is soon, awesome. As soon as you shared him, I went to TikTok immediately and gave him a follow. And it's yeah. all just positive energy. And it, it, he sets up shop at different locations all over. T tell us a little bit about why you find or why you find videos like this valuable. Yeah, my goal. So I was a newcomer to the industry. I didn't know a whole lot. I was trying to um, learn as much as I could. I knew um, social media a little bit. So in my previous business, uh, we had some success with Facebook around 2011, 2012, before the kind of pay to play. We failed with Instagram and I was like, I'm not going to miss this wave of LinkedIn. So like the engagement that you can get, um, especially through video, even though text-based posts are, um, have the most impressions and engagement, but um, it really comes down to that attention economy. So you've got about eight seconds to grab someone's attention. They're scrolling through that LinkedIn feed, most likely on their mobile, could be desktop. You want to capture their attention. And then my goal really is to, to grow my network and be able to have more conversations. So most marketers, in my opinion, it's all about them. They just, you know, my company, my brand, what we do. Whereas I want to put out engaging content for the industry uh, and make more connections that way and have good conversations that way. Um, and it's really helped me learn. So simply posting daily. A lot of times I'm repurposing other content, um, but you probably get it better than anyone. I mean, I've seen the, the content, the information that you put out there and 
I mean, you're doing a great job, obviously. Appreciate that. I mean, it's not seeing the the level of success as the dancing trucker. I'll tell you that. Right. I think it's it's just really it's, it's showcasing. I, I'm a fan of people who showcase the different sides of this industry, and you do a great job of that. I think another Thank video you. that we were going to show is is uh, how a, a paraplegic actually gets into a truck, and you shared that recently, yeah. and it was inc- I've never seen this before, and and it was incredible to to see the different variations of of how a truck can be remodeled in order to to better equip more of society and and is there any sort of i guess end goal or anything or, or or mindset that you have that when you're out here scouting videos like this or is it just ones that you like and you're going to see if the rest of your network likes it yeah i just i want to put out information that brings awareness to our industry um so whether that be a video photo audio text i want to bring awareness we need to attract more people to the industry uh, so my goal is really just to get engagement from my audience, put out positive uh, information about our industry and um, engage that way, really. Love it. Well, Danny, where can people find more of your work? Where can they find more of Driver Reach's work? Where, where can they they find all the good TikToks? Yeah, uh, the good TikToks. Go to TikTok, <laughs> follow uh, the dancing trucker. But uh, Danny Golf on LinkedIn, Danny Golf on uh, Instagram, driverreach.com. Um, those would be the main ones for right now. Taking the higher road uh, on on the uh, Freight Waves podcast, on all major uh, all major networks, you can find that one as well. And then the last thing I'll say is, I did not take this meeting knowing you were a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Um, you know, I did notice that you had some Colts memorabilia in the back, but you know, maybe one day you guys will, you know, hang another banner that celebrates your win in the AFC South. Hey, um, it's such a big accomplishment. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I can kind of shoot from the hip when it comes to talking trash on division rivals. That's not me. So. Hey, I didn't put that up there. You know, I'd, I'd take it down if I could. Oh, <laughs> all, all, all kidding aside, uh, I, I love. Well, I don't love the Colts, but they're. You're you're not the Titans. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what what about uh, Minshew's mullet? What happened to the Minshew mullet? Mania? It's got the, the the Minshew mullet is gone. He's taking his football career seriously now. I guess he kind of yeah. has to since uh, T Law is in town now. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All, right. All right, Danny, appreciate the, the insight today and, and the football banter. I always got, love to, to close out a show with, with, with that kind of talk. You know, football season is just around the corner. Appreciate your insight on today's yeah. show. And, and I'll be sure to link to all of your different platforms within the show notes. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Likewise. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our next guest. I don't know if he's a Texans fan or not, but maybe we can keep it an AFC South devoted show. We're going to bring in Anthony Vitello. He is the Senior Director of Product Marketing and Content for PCS Software. And, and Anthony, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on the show is, first of all, wait, are you a Texans fan? I'm actually in New York, so it's, it's sad to have to admit I'm a giant fan. Oh, Giants. Okay, that that's fine. No, that okay. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not a Jets fan. It could be worse. Could <laughs> yeah, <be> right. <laughs> Well, one of the main reasons that I wanted to get you on the show is not only because your your, your company is hosting the first in-person event in Ignite, but PCS Software does some pretty incredible things. Can you kind of give us an eagle-eye view of what you guys do and how you hope it'll change the way that shippers, brokers, and carriers all interact and manage their data? Because that's a big theme of today's show is data. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, PCS Software, 
uh, one of the, the primary differentiators and things that, you know, we're doing different than every other, you know, sort of TMS uh, provider out there is we've built the only platform available today uh, that's built specifically for use by both sides of the supply chain's coin. Uh, so on one hand, you've got your high volume shippers on uh, on one side of the supply chain coin and then all the carriers and brokers on the other side. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of providers out there that offer TMS design, you know, for just for shippers. Some offer ones just for carriers and brokers. And there are some of the larger ones that offer solutions for both, but not together on one platform. And in today's environment, you know, as you point out, where data is so significant and essential to success, you know, uh, you know, our biggest claim to fame is building this platform that unlocks these extraordinary synergies that can be leveraged by having both sides of the supply chain coined together on one environment, and that also leverages and harnesses the power of that aggregated data. Um, and then on top of all that, uh, you know, because we have access to all this data, uh, we've been applying powerful uh, AI and machine learning capabilities um, to continuously improve planning, you know, identify the patterns that would take a human mind so much longer to, 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 to find out, um, you know, for better planning, execution, and settlement. And then the last piece is our um, ecosystem of API-integrated solution partners. So this is like, you know, all the different uh, logistics technology applications that are out there that are utilized uh, to augment TMS. Um, you know, we've built pre-integration, you know, pre-integrated points, you know, through open APIs, uh, you know, to help companies uh, build their perfect integrated logistics management tech stack at a fraction of the time and cost associated with doing that if you were going to sort of buy each piece and then have to harness your own IT resources to, to, uh, to, to, to stitch it all together. And, you know, that kind of levels the playing field, makes, makes it easy for companies of all sizes, from the largest shippers down to the smallest owner-operator carriers, to embrace the latest, greatest technology and really avail themselves of the power of the data. Now, a, a lot of, of companies sort of throw around, not just this industry, but other industries, they sort of throw around the word AI. And it, it sounds to, I think, the average employee, it sounds you know, sort of futuristic. But what are some ways that you guys are using AI in sort of a, a use case for the everyday worker in the, the everyday environment? Well, um, you, you are correct. You know, AI has become something of a buzzword. And, you know, it's been been talked about in the salons of the large logistics and supply chain trade shows for, you know, the last 10 years. And, you know, even five or six years ago, it was only the largest deep pocket companies that could really uh, have the funds to uh, pursue this type of technology. But today, you know, the, the concept has really been proven and the results are unquestionable. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that, you know, a company of any or of any sized organization should, you know, continue to regard as a future state goal. Uh, those days are gone. You know, the technology is ready for prime time uh, and procrastinating the embrace of the technology will have really negative consequences for their competitive advantage. So some of the examples uh, of regular sort of work a day transportation management, you know, practices and processes that customers are already engaging AI uh, to address and improve are, are things like, uh, you know, optimizing processes and workflows uh, to significantly reduce empty miles and deadhead, uh, deadhead, deadhead loads, or to improve the predictability of arrival times on the inbound side uh, for, you know, just-in-time manufacturing, for example, 
Um, they're using AI, you know, in, in our tool sets at PCS to achieve superior mode selection and rate rationalization. Uh, it, it's being used to uh, perform demand and, and carrier capacity planning so that uh, shippers can improve their time to market. Uh, for, you know, fleet operators, it, it helps them to plan continuous routes uh, at a much higher frequency than they're able to do with spreadsheets or even with contemporary, you know, non-intelligent TMS uh, applications. We're using it to reduce exposure to spot market pre uh, premiums, uh, identifying top performing carriers uh, or the most timely uh, uh, con consignee settlement, you know, the, the consignees that, you know, settle quickest is important to carriers. So you can see there's lots of uh, lots of ways it's being used. Now, on as far as you know, that that's that's great about like the you know the everyday users, and and we kicked off today's show talking about you know sort of the the everyday marketers that that are responsible for taking you know complex data and making it valuable to the C-suite to the executives that they were that they have to report to. Now, you you've mentioned before that. PCS also helps with the marketing side of things because as a marketer, I, I the the extent of of how I know that that TMS gives me insight is a contact list, and I can export a contact list and then you know go about my business. But PCS actually makes the the marketing job a little bit easier. Can you sort of shed some light on how marketers can actually use a TMS in the future in order to help their campaigns? Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, TMS is not uh, intrinsically a marketing tool. Sure. But with a company like TMS, where all the data is there in aggregate from both sides uh, of the supply chain coin, um, there's a lot of great intelligence that can be derived from such data accessibility that can be leveraged in, in marketing in ways that have a, a significant material impact on uh, a trucking company's business or a, a shipping company's business. I'll give you a couple of I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, for example, uh, the system can capture things like um, you know uh, in the fleet management pieces of it, like driver retention figures. Now, if you have hard data that talks about your fleet operations and and you know your high levels of driver retention, that can be leveraged in marketing to help attract drivers. Which is a, a, a you know perennial challenge, uh, you know, uh, for the transportation industry with the, the ongoing driver shortage. That's just one example. Uh, another thing is like um, higher customer satisfaction metrics. So the TMS is going to capture data on things like uh, on-time pickup and delivery scheduling, or you know, uh, claims volumes, uh, yeah. or other things that you can use to sell uh, to sell your shippers' products as well as your carrier's service. Uh, and, you know, all these types of narratives gleaned from the data uh, can can, you know, make for some compelling case studies, social media discussions, what have you. I like that because then then you're taking the problems or the potential problems that could have uh, that could have happened and you're turning those into valuable information in order to recruit the next customer or even recruit the next carrier that, that that's interesting to think about and it's getting my you know the, the the wheels going in my head a little bit now now switching gears to to uh the conference ignite conference because most of us especially in Florida have been getting out into the world what insights are you seeing within PCS that that show a shift in consumer Consumer behavior. Is there anything that we should be aware of that we should keep our eyes on that we can hopefully use in, in our workflows? Well, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be telling uh, the audience anything that we don't 
all completely intuit having lived through the last 14, 18 months. I mean, we all knew that through the, you know, that the pandemic was a seismic event. It was going to have dramatic ramifications for supply chain management and the products, uh, you know, uh, that they sell. Uh, but but what, the products and services that PCS offers are absolutely at the center of finding solutions for you know operations both during and after the pandemic. Um, you know as 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 we as we you know begin to grow more confident about the the the, the role the rollout of vaccines and stuff. Uh, you know we're anticipating a return to a lot more in person activities, and there's going to be you know uh, you know we're seeing. Uh, uh, a spike in demand as the economy reopens, and we're also seeing the tail, the trailing effects of depletion of inventories as sure. manufacturing was ramped down. Uh, so right now, you know, supply chain is under the microscope uh, as you know uh, the whole industry work works to, you know, uh, push through you know these you know shortages and and challenges. But this is sort of a temporary uh, kind of um, uh, uh, situation, and I think. You know, uh, once the immediate challenges have been ameliorated and inventories rebound and supply chains normalize, we're still going to wind up having seen uh, some long tail after effects in consumer patterns. Uh, you know, uh, you know, certain industries uh, have really grown. You know, your Amazons, your your home delivery services, things that are heavy on the last mile. Right. Uh, just changes in consumer patterns. But the takeaway here is that. You know, you need to have technology in place that's flexible enough and robust enough to allow you to uh, um, not only pivot uh, in in quickly changing conditions, but also can provide some predictive capability uh, to help you know uh, help you know your organization, whether you're a shipper or a carrier or a broker, uh, to address uh, the challenges as they arise. Now, now, speaking of, of that shift that you guys have been seeing within not not only just on the news, but within your software as well, you guys decided to to host an in-person conference. Uh, one of the first ones that I'm aware of that that's going on within the industry is coming up this August. Why did you guys decide that now what was the right time to get this rolling? Well, uh, you know, again, um, the pandemic really did amplify the critical uh, importance of supply chain management. Uh, And so, you know, there's been a lot of advancements, not only in the technology, but also in the way that uh, consumers think about supply chain, which is probably something they never thought about before, but also, you know, the way that uh, shippers, carriers, and brokers, you know, consider how they do their business. Uh, So there's been a lot of learning that's happened during this period when everybody's been sequestered, right? So we felt that, uh, you know, with uh, uh, the sort of a return to the new normal looming on the horizon and distribution of vaccines, that, you know, uh, there might be greater appetite later in the summer for people to return uh, to in-person events. And we also, um, you know, uh, uh, counting on the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the community, the supply chain management community has been sort of starved of this, you know, uh, uh, ability to get together and share and collaborate and 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 uh, you know pass on best practices and so forth. So we felt that the time was you know going to be right and that this pent up demand would lead a lot of people to decide now is the time to come out and 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 start to um, you know reengage. 
I love it because I, I just read a, a story the other day about how so many people are are experiencing Zoom fatigue. And after just a couple meetings virtually, you you think that it's easier to do it and, you know, in a virtual standpoint, but then you, you go on three Zooms in one day and you're exhausted and oh, you don't know it. why. And it's uh, because uh, I think we feed off of that in-person energy. And so speaking of that, that in-person energy, which I, I'm really looking forward to actually networking with some other industry folks, give us a sort of eagle view of, of some of the, the, the your favorite speakers that are coming, maybe some some sessions that are going on. Give us a good uh, sales pitch of why someone should go to Ignite. Excellent. Well, you know, we I, I'm, I'm really proud of the roster of session speakers, panelists, and, and uh, keynote speakers that are going to be in attendance. Um, the, our esteemed uh, primary keynote speaker is a, a gentleman named Peter Hinson. Look him up. He's one of the world's most sought-after thought leaders on radical innovation, leadership, and the impact of all things digital on society and business. He's written a bunch of best-selling books about the nexus between the blistering advance of disruptive technology, business, and society. You know, I saw him deliver uh, an address at the Gartner Symposium back in 2018 or 19, and it floored me. This guy is not to be missed, but he's not the only one. We've got... uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Climate Policy in the Biden Administration, Department of Transportation. His name is Andrew Wishnia. He's going to be coming and talking to our CEO about all the amazing technologies that the Department of Transportation and the U.S. government is getting ready to implement uh, to you know, drive greater levels of sustainability and, and carbon reduction in, in this carbon-heavy industry. And we've got supply chain leaders at the executive level from some of the world's, you know, or at least the North America's largest companies. Uh, We've got, uh, you know, uh, transportation executives from Little Caesars Pizza Distribution, Purdue Poultry, Bonnie Plants, uh, Masonite uh, Manufacturing to make the doors and windows. We've got people coming from Uber Freight. We've got a sustainability expert from Chet Pallets. We've got uh, the president of Real Women in Trucking, Desiree Wood. She's coming to give a session on, uh, you know, ways that technology helps improve the lot of truckers who are the actual backbone of the the entire economy here in North America. Uh, But there's literally 30 or 40 sessions. uh, And it's too much for me to rattle off here. I would (laughs) everybody to go check out the uh, Ignite 2021 website for the full roster of amazing sessions and all the topic information there is everything, everything. Well, it looks like it's going to be a, a super fun event. It's out there in San Antonio in Texas. It, it's around, you know, the first part of August, which I think is great. It's right before everybody goes back to school. So that one little last, you know, sort of vac- mini vacation and you can mix some networking in while you're at it. Well, Anthony, I appreciate your time today. Hopefully everybody will go and register for the conference. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes just to make it easier for everybody. Looking forward to, to seeing everyone out there. Where can people find more of your work and more of PCS software? and the Ignite conference itself. So you can get everything you need to know about PCS software and also links to the PCS uh, Ignite 2021 event. It's all available at pcssoft.com. So go ahead and visit and check us out. We've got so much amazing stuff going on. And to your point, the event is going to be 50%, you know, business and getting back together with the business community and 50% good times. We've got uh, Texas country band Jason Boland and the Straggler is going to be playing. Uh, they've got two golf courses. It's at the JW Marriott in San Antonio. And this guy might even get his New York butt on the mechanical bull while I'm out there in San Antonio. So that's not that shouldn't be missed by anybody. 
worth the price of admission. <laughs> well, appreciate your time, Anthony. And and like I said, we'll we'll link to all of those things in the show notes. So hopefully everybody will 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 get back out there in the world and and meet up in person. Thank you again, Anthony, for joining us. And also to Danny for joining us earlier in the show. We talked about a lot in this episode, including marketing data, making it more actionable and making it more accessible for the C-suite to understand what marketers actually do all day. We don't just play on social media all day contrary to popular opinions. But uh, there's a a lot of value packed in this episode and in the coming weeks, right? Just be sure to stay tuned right here on Freight Waves. This show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Once again, I am your host, Blythe Brumley, owner of digitaldispatch.io. And I hope to see you guys all real soon.